friends, Laura Johnson here from Tickle.life, and this is Mindful Sex Ed Back to Basics. This is the podcast where we break up myths and build up facts about sex. And as always, I am joined by my incredible co-host, the Tickle.life in-house sex educator, Lulu Batista. How are you today, Lulu? I'm fantastic. I'm excited. We have a very special guest, and I can't wait for us to get started. Absolutely. This is going to be such a great conversation. And uh, Lulu, would you like to introduce our guest for tonight? So tonight's special guest is an author, a film person, a sexual wellness connoisseur, if you will, is how I'm going to say it anyway. He is Dr. Mark, and he's going to come on and tell us all about the amazingness of sex and wellness and education and all that fabulousness. So welcome, Dr. Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We are honored that you would grace us with your presence <laughs> absolutely um my pleasure when, when lulu told me that you were going to be a guest tonight um i was super excited and i don't i don't know if you remember me but we met at the 2017 quad s society for science society for the scientific study of sexuality and um it was my first time at the conference and you were the first person i spoke to and we oh, had I- I think I do remember you telling um, me that. Yeah, we had such a, a lovely conversation about the porn industry, and you talked to me about Candida Royale, and it was just a really lovely introduction to the conference. And I am just so excited to learn more from you about you know what you're doing with Sex Smart Films and and all this stuff. So very excited to have you here today, Dr. Mark. Well, thank you. So we're going to start off by having you introduce yourself because no one can do it better but yourself, right? And all your amazingness are going to be in our show notes so everyone can, you know, go on and check it out and get fulfilled with some more sexual wellness and education. So please um, let the audience know who you are. Well, if someone would have told me when I was in undergraduate school, I would be making films about sex. I probably would have said you're out of your mind. (laughs) But what happened is I became a health educator and in New York, and I was teaching health education and New York mandated that we teach about sexually transmitted infections. I didn't know much about it, but I read up on it. I'm teaching seventh grade, 12 year olds. First day, I said, you get these diseases from either sexual intercourse or oral genital contact. What does that mean? So I I said, you know, either intercourse. What does that mean? Anyway, the whole first class, I was explaining what I meant by sexual contact. I walk out of the room after that first class and the principal's in the hall waiting for me. He knew it was the first day of this class. And he said, how did it go? And I told him just what I told you. And he said, what do you think? I said, I think it's terrible. I said, I'm teaching them about sexuality by way of disease. Can you think of a more negative approach? And he said, what do you think we should do? 
I said, we should start a sex education program. There was a moment of silence. And he said, let's go for it. And that's how I began my career in sex education. That mm. summer, NYU was offering a sex education program in Sweden. And I went to Sweden and it was just the cross-cultural experience was mind-blowing. I remember early in the summer, I was invited to a Swedish family's home and they were watching television and they had a five-year-old kid. And I noticed there was lots of nudity on Swedish television. And they didn't, the five-year-old kid was watching it and no one thought anything of it. All of a sudden, an American show called McLeod came on and a big fight breaks out. And I remember the mother grabbing the five-year-old kid and covering his eyes. She didn't want him to see violence. And I thought in the United States, a kid can see as much violence as they want, but they can't see nudity. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was an amazing experience. Anyway... I went on and got a doctorate in human sexuality. I started making sex education films and created Sex Smart Films, which has over 600 films now. And they're used in education, therapy, research. Yeah. That's so, wonderful. That is. <laughs> that's so. It's just so amazing how, you know, when you go to somewhere else, what they value as important mm -hmm. or yes. of an educational moment because here they're like, oh, sex, we can't look at that. But well, we're always talking about it in that sense. But well, another education. thing that, you know, sex education in Sweden begins in first grade. And wow. it's like you take history, math, sex education, you know, it's mm -hmm. just another subject. Right. And they learn, one of the things I learned is they learn the proper names for genitals. Mm -hmm. Recently, I did a program for a college undergraduate program. There were about 100 students, and I asked them all to write down the names they used for genitals. Out of 100, two had penis and vulva. The rest wow. had, I mean, my favorite was one woman, she was taught her genitals were called the hoo-ha. <laughs> but so here i mean it we're laughing but the message we get here is sex is something we're not supposed to talk about right and we learn that mess we learn that lesson well you know if you look the world health organization has statistics about sexuality and by, by country and if you look at onset of sexual behavior all the countries are about the same. Mm -hmm. But if you look at STIs amongst teenagers, the United States is high. Countries like Sweden are low. Mm. Uh, yeah. Unwanted teenage pregnancy, United States is high. So we don't teach our young people to be responsible about their sexual behavior. Absolutely. And... and that is a problem. Yeah. And it seems like things have, I mean, haven't really improved much over the years. 
So uh, can you perhaps talk a bit more about the changes that you've seen in sex education in the United States? Have things gotten a little bit better or are we still pretty stuck in this very shameful sex negative educational system? In the in the 1980s, I made a I wrote a book and made a film called Belly Buttons Are Navels. And the <laughs> film the book Belly Buttons Are Navels is available on Amazon. And the film is on sexsmartfilms.com. But basically, it's a program that a grandmother is reading a book to two children, and it identifies body parts from head to toe. And I remember when I first went to get the book published, it was brought to the publisher that uh, publishes the Dr. Seuss books. And they said, we'll publish it. You just have to remove one word. And I said, what word is that? Clitoris. Uh-huh. Jeez. And I r- did not remove that word. It got published by a much smaller publisher. But when you say to me, what has changed? This is in the early 80s. Not much has changed in that respect. Mm-hmm. How many children learn the word clitoris? How many children learn penis, vulva? So we need, if you think of any other subject, is there any other subject where You know, if you want to talk about astronomy, what do you call that shiny thing up in the sky? You know, you you call it the sun, you know, we call it the moon. We don't use euphemisms. So sex is the only subject where there's such a stigma that we don't teach about it. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, yeah, that's very true. And I'm thinking (laughs) back to uh, to. By my my high school biology class, and I don't think we when we did anatomy, I don't think we covered what the clitoris is. I think we had we learned all the different no. parts of the vulva and vagina, but nothing about the. I don't remember the clitoris. I don't remember no. that ever coming up in health class. Well, you know, the clitoris yeah. only has one function, right? And to be honest, they were giving it wrong because some of them were saying that the vagina was the whole thing. Mm. Yes. Yeah, they wasn't even having a distinction. They were just saying that there was another word for that. It's like no, it's too different. (laughs) Yeah. So so you know, and when you look at the cultural differences on my website, Mm -hmm. sexsmartfilms.com, I have about two hundred fifty commercials and public service announcements from fifty-two different countries, and if you look. At, for example, condom commercials. I remember those, those ones that you let me watch were <laughs> so good. Well, but I remember being at a conference and the Trojan company had a booth. And I said to one of the men working at the conf- at the booth, I said, you know, I've watched some of your commercials and you never see a condom in your commercials. And he said, yeah. with good reason. Mm. I said, tell me the good reason. He said, if we show a condom, it'll never get aired in the United States. So you look at other countries and you some of them, you just see it in the wrapper. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a commercial that I, I love from Kenya hmm. called The Umbrella. And you actually see, it's the only commercial I've ever seen where you see a condom get unrolled. So. Yeah. You know, and you think about it, 
and you think about the cultural differences and for example switzerland sweden you know norway you see nudity in the commercials mm -hmm. and you never see that here never see it here you ain't no. get none of that no yeah, I think I, I just recently over the summer started noticing that on Hulu, there were commercials for vaginal dryness and mm -hmm. and stuff that that you would never really have seen otherwise. And it was talking about women's sexuality in a humorous way. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, wow, that's fairly progressive for where we are. And it's 2022. Like, yes. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. for example, in 2015, on a Sunday evening at 6.30, they aired a under a minute animated film in Sweden. And it was to teach young children the names of genitals. And you saw a, a, an animated penis and an animated vulva hopping around and they're identifying the parts. And that was on national television. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine in the United States if they showed a penis and a vulva on national <laughs> television at 6.30 on a Sunday night? <laughs> but when you think about it, it's telling the children that it's okay. It's, you should be able to know what these words mean. It's true. And, and be able to ask questions and you know, yes. have information because I think that a lot of what's happening is because questions are not being asked. You know, a lot of times I know when I was that age, if I asked a question about sex, are oh, you having the sex? I, I just heard something. I just want some clarification. I just yeah. want more education. Well, no, don't ask me that because that means you're having sex and the conversation is done. Don't mm -hmm. ask nothing else. You're just like, okay, I'm never going to ask men about this because <laughs> they're going to think I'm having sex. And well, that's, that fact. And that's a very common thing that there there are people who think if you give them sexual education, they will become sexually active earlier. The World Health Organization, as I told you, I think the average American has their first sexual experience at 16. And mm. it's the same with Sweden. So, you know, education doesn't make you sexually active earlier. What right. I, I've seen, it makes you more responsible about your sexual behavior, that you'll wear a condom, you know. And True. I think the non-education is what is making a lot of these kids more sexually active early because they have no education. They're mm -hmm. not being told about condoms the proper way, penis condoms or internal condoms, that there even is a difference. I've even asked parents in my age a little bit younger, they said, oh, I've never even seen an internal condom before ever in my life. I didn't even know that was a thing, an option to be used. So yeah. even that simple thing. Or kids are turning to pornography, which yeah. if you understand what pornography is and what it's used for, fine. But if you're looking for it for educational purposes, you're taking away yeah. not quite the wrong messages about sex, but unrealistic ideas about what sex mm -hmm. is and what it looks like. And, and to add to that, the av there's research, and I don't have the citation, but you can look it up. Sure. The average American sees porn on the internet by the time they're 10 or 11, mm -hmm. and they're not looking for porn. They're going yeah. on the internet and putting sex 
in the search engine and they end up on a porn site. And I can tell you the people who produce porn films are not making them to educate 11 year olds. No, they're not. No, they're so not. It, it, it's unfortunate that we're not more mindful about <laughs> sex education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I feel like the from a legislation perspective, they go after the wrong thing. Uh, it's an attack on porn. Like we're seeing a lot of anti-porn stuff coming through mm-hmm. um, recently in the United States, and now it's kind of an international movement because they don't want porn in the hands of children. Fair. Most people don't want children to see that stuff, but that's porn is not the problem. Children right. aren't educated. Like you were saying, they're, they're just searching for terms because they don't know where else to go. Exactly. Um, and so they're learning all of this stuff from a source that is designed for fantasy and entertainment and not for education. They're exactly. internalizing that, you know, it it's, could be intimidating. That could be scary to see. And, but there's no one to talk to about it. And so, you know, what can parents do to help start having these conversations that are not being, that are not happening in school um, and make it less okay. awkward? Yeah. Excellent question. Mm-hmm. I think you have to let your children know that you're an askable parent. Mm. And by doing so, you know, let them know, use the correct terms for genitals. Yes. Talk about you know, if you're watching television and you see something about sexuality, talk about it. Let your children know that sexuality is an acceptable subject to talk about in our household. We know they're not getting sex education in school. So parents should take, and it's, um, it's difficult because this goes back generations. You know, our parents didn't talk to us. Their parents didn't talk to them. And I'm saying, you start talking to your children. And there are lots of books out there. And some parents will buy a book and leave it out and let the children know they could look at the book. And then if they want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But you need to be, as I said before, an askable parent. Let mm-hmm. them know that sexuality is a subject we can talk about in our household. Yes, because I know, you know, I have a high schooler and I have a middle schooler. And she had health education that was supposed to be. And (laughs) when I looked at some of the questions for the sexual health part, I was just like, oh, no. And that's what put more passion into me to really want to build a workshop uh, education to be able to go into the schools to give the right information because, all, like you said, all they talked about was contraceptive and not the right ones either. It's just condom, 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 condom. There's no different ones. They talked about STD. They talked more about preventative and non-preventative ways yeah. to not get pregnant. That was it. I was like, so yes. where, where's the rest of what's happening here? Yep. Nope. Yeah, they I, talked about disease and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I had like flashbacks to my high school experience, which was, you know, the early 2000s. Same thing. You can have sex, but here's disease. And then here's a very graphic picture of what that disease looks like, because, of course, you're not going to go to the doctor and you're just going to let whatever it is run its course. So it just instills this 
fear of sex as well. And yeah, undoing a lot of those early messages that are kind of, they're sex negative and they're, but they're wrapped in a way of not necessarily criticizing sex. But if you do have it, you're going to have all this negative, these negative consequences to, to credit our health uh, education. We did have a little bit on domestic violence as well in relationships, but still very surface level. And so you, you have these two ideas about sex kind of wrapped together. It's Mm -hmm. disease-based pregnancy, unwanted pregnancy, and then potential violence that can occur or not being right Right. or rejection. And it's, it does such a disservice to students, to children. Um, Because when they turn into adults, they don't don't have that background. Yeah. I know for me, I was fortunate that in middle school, they had a special, you had to sign up for it. Now this gave more sex education, not just this, 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 this. And I think that's what helped me for where I'm at today. But the thing that was rough for me is that when I want to share with my mother what I had learned, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want you to talk to me about sex. I'm like, well, I want to share with you what I learned, you know, at this thing. It, I felt very fulfilled with the information. That helped me to make better decisions, anything sexual that I did, how to be able to advocate for myself, to be able to say no and not feel like I'm doing something wrong because this is my body. And, you know, to have wanted to have that conversation with your parent, you know, I think people should do that. You know, again, when I ask different parents, hey, if I do this workshop, you know, please have the conversation with your child after, ooh, you want me to talk? Yeah, because they need to have a dialogue. Maybe they need an extra something that then again, you may have to have a one-on-one session if they wanted something that wasn't covered in the workshop or whatever. Oh, do I have to come? Yes, I would love for you to come also with them to the workshop so you can hear what they're learning and be able to understand what it is that they receive in this in this space. Mm-hmm. And you learn something too, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult to break that mold that, mm-hmm. that, you know, we've been brought up, that's, we've been taught very well that sex is something we're not supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying be open with your children and there are some parents who are having a hard time with it or many parents are. Yeah. They just can't do it. (laughs) So I want to transition a little bit to talking about sex smart films, which is such a wonderful resource and collection of different types of educational films about sexuality. And so maybe could you just go into a bit more detail about, you know, what sex smart films is and how you've collected these videos? Well, I've been making films for many years and I've made over 50 films in my career. Mm -hmm. And I started sex smart films with 46 films, I think 14 Mm -hmm. years ago. And now we have over 600 films. way over 600 films and some of them are very old some of them are very new the only thing that they all have in common is they have accurate information there's one film called becoming orgasmic a sexual growth program for women which i made in 1993 and it's one of the most popular films but people will call me and say the outfit on that woman it's so dated (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and uh, there's one scene where she gets on the telephone 
and she's on this cordless phone with an antenna that's two feet long. (laughs) So it's dated in terms of that kind of thing, but in terms of the information about becoming orgasmic, it's still very accurate. So that's an issue, you know, that we can't keep, we can't afford to remake every film, you know, every four years. So we're up with the fashion and the (laughs) latest telephones. Although 90s fashion has come back around, so. Right, exactly. But not, but not 90s telephones. No. <laughs> but so we have films dealing with education. We have films dealing with research and we have films dealing with therapy. And for example. Uh, and I would just let our audience know that I was so honored to be able to view his website and look at some of the amazing videos and they were so good. I showed it to my husband. I showed one or two to my teenage daughter. I was like, you see, look at this. You can have education and, you know, still not feel cringy about it. And it still feel like what it needs to do. And I just think that that is amazing. It's just such amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. I really, really, really appreciate that. What do you want to show us? Well, we have so sex therapy films and we have a prescription and (laughs) the the therapist can prescribe a film. And so I give these out. Well, I think I need, I think I need one of them pads. I love that. Digitize them and use them digitally. And I could send them to you digitally if you want. But, but the point is, that a therapist will meet with someone and say, okay, this is the issue. And they'll talk about the issue. And they'll say, I want you to watch this film and then come Mm -hmm. back and we'll talk about it. So their issue is vaginismus or orgasmic Mm -hmm. issues or erectile issues. They can prescribe a film and then tell them why they want them to watch the film. And then when they come back, talk about it and relate what's in the film to their personal issue. Yes, that is really good because that is needed, you know, for that follow-up. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then there are films for children. So uh, one of the more popular ones is the true story of how babies are made. And it's based mm-hmm. on a 1972 book that was written in Danish in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And I it was translated into English and I made it into it. It's a four-minute animated film, and it actually shows intercourse and how the baby is conceived and how the woman gets pregnant, how the baby is delivered. And Wonderful. So That's so great. And then uh, one of the newer films is What's Gay? Asked May, which is a children's book about what is gay. And... Mm. Uh, it's another three minute. It's a three minute film geared to like five year old children. Mm-hmm. Because that that is a big topic now, you know. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, it's just everywhere, and you know, a lot of parents are like, "Listen, I wasn't ready for my child to hear about that." You know, when you think about, I know, especially for me, when I think about um, not seeing a condom commercial on TV. But seeing two people of the same gender, maybe kissing and all that, and maybe as a parent, I wasn't ready for my child to see that because maybe we haven't had the conversation. 
It's like, why is that okay? But them knowing that a condom is safe to use, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you, because I guess, you know, we have like the, the don't say gay bill and, and, you know, throughout the United States, like people aren't necessarily, might be concerned about the appropriateness of the content of these films that are designed for children. So how do these films distill this information in a way that children can understand? And that's not, you know, I guess, quote unquote, inappropriate for children. How does it make it make sense for them? Well, I think these films are written, the scripts are written in a way that children can understand them. And they're written Mm -hmm. the way if you were talking about astronomy, it's in that Mm -hmm. same tone. It's just, the subject matter is different. And, you know, we've had very positive, the people who use it give us very positive feedback. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I strongly recommend them. And it's a way to get, let children know that this is an acceptable subject. And if you have questions, come to me. And if I don't know the answer, we'll, we'll look it up and find out together. Absolutely. Yeah. So the the important thing is to open the communication re- relative to sexuality. Yeah. I think for some parents also, they may be afraid that if their children ask something and they don't have the answer, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing, oh, why don't you know your mom? Because I was never taught that. Be transparent with them and say, hey, listen. Yeah. I want this narrative to be different. I've told my children, I want this narrative to be different. I was just told not to have sex, and I would ask why. I said, because I said so. That's not the narrative. I'm telling you, these are the things I can't necessarily stop you. I would like for you to wait until you're more mature. But if for whatever reason this thing happens, know this, 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 and this. You are in control of the situation. Don't let nobody say what they're not and are going to do with you. If you say no, it is no. And that is that is it. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can compare it to another subject that, you know, if your child mm-hmm. asked you a question about cooking and you didn't know the answer, right. you'd you look, look it, it up. up. Yeah. There we go. You'd ask Google <laughs> or somebody. <laughs> and Lulu, I think you made a really good point about consent because these types of films can help children understand consent and understand, you know, yeah. what's what's appropriate behavior from an adult or another child and what's not and how to talk to their parent if um, something bad is, is going on in their lives. You know, when you don't have the tools to understand sexuality and sexual behavior and, and an incident happens, you don't know how to communicate that with someone who can help you. You don't, if you don't know the the parts that have been touched or you don't know you know, the behaviors that an adult or another child are doing to you, you can't communicate that and get help for whatever is happening. So this type of um, educational material is so important for kids um, on all different levels. Yeah. And there's one film that was done at NYU Film School, and it features NYU film students, and they're all Mm. talking about consent. Oh, great. And it's... So it's young people, and I highly recommend it. Okay. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. 
That's very good. So how do you find, well, being here, you know, the censorship issue with, you know, the material, is it easy for you to get people on the website to, to get them to understand the concept and all that that's going on, especially the U.S.? I know abroad is probably, oh, yeah, let's, you know, let's get into that and, and let's hear all about it. But here, for some, not for everyone, with some, you know, like, what? What are you trying to say? Why do you have all yeah, these videos and what are you doing all this? Well, yeah. you know, the my best recommenders it is word of mouth. And, you know, people who use the site will tell other people and that that's, but... For example, one of my films, uh, the book Belly Buttons or Navels was on Amazon and they did an audio version of it. Ooh, then, I have audio. <laughs> well, guess what? It was banned. It, they said it was obscene because we used the word clitoris in a children's wow. book. So... It's on the website, though, on my website. Ugh. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> sometimes you just have to just shake your head and like, yeah. really? Really, though? Well, try, try fighting Amazon. I mean, <laughs> because, again... Like you said, kids can find anything on Amazon. Amazon is selling adult toys. Yeah. A child can put in rose because they're looking for maybe a rose uh, shirt or something that, that they want, and this toy will pop up. And then what? But well, that's okay. Got it. Got yeah. it. Heaven forbid they learn about <laughs> their body, right? It's, oh, that's really disappointing. I would love to hear that on Audible. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for even from like a disability perspective if children have visual disability they could at least hear what yeah. is happening that's really disappointing i and you know the reason that we we bring this up is we want our audience to understand that you know censorship affects all facets of people working in the sex industry from education to performers to sex workers and so this is a really widespread problem if you can't say a basic anatomical term in a in a book you know what does that mean for the rest of sexual content even for adults you know it's our cultural stigma about sexuality it just mm -hmm. and keep in mind the people who are ruling this have had no sex education right and they're just <laughs> passing it on mm -hmm. sure. Sure. you know if you talk about sex ooh. Mm. Could you talk about your um, film, Trans? Sure. Trans was released in 2012, so that's 10 years ago. And when it was released, it was, it was a big thing. You know, there were people who were excited about it. There were people who looked at me like, why did you do a film like that? It made a big impact. It's, it's on, Trans is on Amazon Prime. Time. Oh, and okay. it's also on Sex Smart Films. But if you go to Amazon Prime and read the, there are close to three hundred reviews, and it's gotten four and a half stars. Nice. And if you look at the reviews and read them, some of them bring tears to your eyes. You know mm -hmm. how 
Um, there was one mother who had a trans child who and was not supportive and was pretty bad with the child. And one of her friends said, watch this documentary. Mm-hmm. And she watched the documentary and now she's supportive of her child um, and, you know, thanked us for producing it. That but is, funny that's the point of that. That's, yeah. that's the point of that. Yeah. yeah. But keep in mind, it's 10 years old. And I recently did a screening and an undergraduate student said to me during the question and answer period, there's nothing in this film about gender queer or non-binary. Ooh. And I said, I said, 10 years ago, when this was film was produced, right. those terms didn't exist. And I said, and by the way, when I was in graduate school, the term transvestite was a perfectly acceptable term. Now it's cross-dresser. So language evolves when it comes to gender. So, yeah. That's the big thing we're learning all the time as educators. You know, I know for me having to keep on the now, you know, when I express a product to someone, I say, listen, this one is for a penis owner and this one is for a vulva owner. And I had someone say to me, well, ain't you going to just say male or female? We can't assume that just because they have a penis, they're identifying as a male. Just because they have a vulva, are they identifying as a woman? So I just say, you own this or you own this? And there we are right there. Mm -hmm. And I think education is so important in this area that... In fact, I did, I, I'm in Washington, D.C., and I did a screening here. And after the film, a couple came up to me with a little girl. Mm-hmm. And they came up to me and started talking to me like they knew me. And it turned out that the little girl was in my grandson's class in school. Oh. <laughs> and, she, and she is transgender. And she's seven years old, a biological male dressing as a female and she was okay. seven years old and the next time i saw my grandson i said hey do you, is in your class and he goes yeah and i said did you know that was transgender and he goes yeah so right. the teachers and the administrators educated the children and mm-hmm. the children learned that this was okay and she was just another kid in the class yeah that's, yep. that's very powerful it really, it really is because kids are so receptive to learning and absorbing and, and modeling. And, you know, when adults are respecting um, a child's gender um, and expression of, of gender, children are going to model that. They, yes. Because they don't, well, you know. Children learn to hate. You're not right. born hating. Yeah. Right. And... I'll tell you a funny story. My grandson here in DC, he and all his friends play in an alley behind the houses. And he was six or seven. And how many years ago did Black Lives Matter come out? And he started hearing about that. And he came up to me, he says, you know, Jordan and Camante? And I said, yeah. And they're kids he's played with every day for the last three years, he said to me, you know something? They're black. <laughs> he had never noticed before. <laughs> so and uh, it's the same thing with gender. That, mm-hmm. you know, 
someone has to teach you to dislike. It's not something you're born with. So <laughs> that tickles me. Because it is so, true. If you like, yeah. you, you know, they just had a vibe. You like somebody. You're not looking at all that. You're just looking at the person. Yeah. The personality. Do we get along? Can we? Do, do, do we have? Do we share some interests? Do, can they use a skateboard? You know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Important things. Right. Can you take this joke? You know, just can yeah. we have a good time? And that should be the end, all of it, really. And. We're hoping with this, you know, podcast that we are really building up a strong foundation for people in sexual wellness that they will understand and go to your website and listen to different things about education and be open to learning something new because we can all learn something new. I'm we've been on this podcast for a year now and learning something new every, every week. Time. I feel like. <laughs> and my cup is full from it. And I love well, it and I don't want it to stop. I started in sex education in the 70s. And there was a time where I thought I knew it all. Mm -hmm. And now I learn something. I'm constantly learning more. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you. you, It doesn't stop. No. The journey never ends. It doesn't stop. Well, Mark, if you have a little bit of time, we have two listener questions that we're hoping you could help us answer. I will do my best. Okay, so they're they're pretty open ended, but we'll see what we can come up with. Um, right. So the first is my partner does not open up about her sexual fantasies to me. How can I help her with this? Well, that's a good question. There are some people who will ask their partners if they're open to watching a film that deals with fantasy, uh-huh. and. They'll find a film and talk. And one of the things when you're using a film with a partner, there's a button. It's called pause. Use the button. (laughs) Hit the pause button and talk about, I liked what I saw. I didn't like what I saw. And use the film to, to stimulate communication. Yeah, because films are tools, mm-hmm. and using the film as a tool. So, if you see something in a film that's arousing, be able to tell your partner about it. Mm-hmm. So, and so next, that I think that's great. And so Absolutely. the next question is, how do I find out what turns my partner on? These people are not talking to each other at all. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Communication, well, so important. Yeah, the communication, oh. you know, but there's verbal communication and nonverbal communication. Yes. And, right. you know, being able to ask your partner, you know, if I do something to you and you like it, you know, hum or do, in other words, you have to find something that you're both comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And let me somehow let me know I like it or I don't like it. Be able to say harder, softer, mm-hmm. you know, you know, give direction. You know, if if you were doing anything and you want your partner to know, you have to be able to communicate and figure out a way 
that you can communicate verbally, non-verbally, sometimes one word, slower, faster, softer, harder. You know, those are things that can help communicate your sexual desires. That is very, very true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so many people struggle with even doing just that in, in the heat of the moment, you know, they're nervous to say how much they like something or don't like something. But yeah, just having these open and honest conversations before, during, after can only help improve your sex life and only help you um, improve your ability to know what your partner wants. You, you're not a mind reader. You need to be talking about these things. For sure. <laughs> that This has been a really great episode. Absolutely. Um, just so much before we before we conclude. Uh-huh, absolutely. Can I tell you a joke my eleven year old grandson told me? Oh, that was a joke, and then I'll tell my twelve year old. What did the elephant say to the naked man? I'll rem- I'll remember that. <laughs> he said, "How do you breathe through that thing?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's fantastic. That, that, that was from an eleven year old. So I can't that, be credit. That is the clip right there. I was gonna say <laughs> yeah, that's gonna go up on Instagram. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yes, I love that joke. <laughs> All right, everyone. So that's all for this episode of Mindful Sex Ed. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, please email us at podcast at tipple.life or you could reach out to us on social media. We are Mindful Sex Ed Pod on Twitter and Mindful Sex Ed Podcast on Instagram. And Mark, where can we find you in Sex Smart Films? You can email me, Mark at Sex Smart Films or Dr. Mark at sexsmartfilms.com. And if you have a question about a film or you need a recommendation, don't hesitate to email me. Okay. Wonderful. We'll have those in the show notes for everybody. Definitely. So if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. Reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify are particularly helpful in getting us out there. Sharing is caring. And it's very much free. So please send this episode or any of our episodes to someone that you think would be interested in listening. And lastly, check out all of the podcasts on Tickle.life and visit Tickle.life for all of your mindful sex ed needs. Goodbye, everyone, and we will see you next week. And check out our show notes for all of the information about Mark and Sex Smart Films. Yes. Next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.